let us now uh, go into the word of god i've just i just have about uh, 35 minutes to share the word and i'm going to do this as uh, practically as possible and uh, most of you may be aware of the title that i'm going to preach with you today uh, if you've seen the title of the video uh, it is the ministry of the holy spirit and i want to talk on this subject uh, because i believe it is impo- important for us to understand who the holy spirit is what he does and what he does not do and how will a person be when he is filled with the holy spirit what is the mark of the holy spirit in, in a person's life we're going to touch on those three things today and so as i share god's word with you i encourage you to follow along and since it is just about 34 minutes uh, and just i i ask you to pay full attention amen uh, set your phones aside uh, set everything aside and uh, open your bibles and come along with me as i share uh, from god's word amen before jesus left this earth he said this in we read this verse in john chapter 16 verse 7 jesus said but very truly i tell you it is for your good for whose good he's talking to the disciples there he's saying it is for your good that i'm going away because unless i go away the advocate will not come to you referring to the holy spirit jesus saying unless i go away the advocate will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you Jesus is talking to uh, the group of disciples who are upset. You know the disciples are uh, distressed because uh, they got to know that Jesus is going to leave them soon and they are uh, distressed. You know they are like upset, you know, what are we going to do now? You know we just left our boats, we left this and came everything believing in the Lord and and right now and Jesus is going to leave. What are we going to do? And Jesus is telling them, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. it is for your good that i'm going away because unless i go away the advocate the holy spirit will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you so he's telling them it's a good thing that i'm going because when i leave the holy spirit will come the helper will come and he would guide us in all things that he will guide them in everything and so jesus died after this he he rose again he left the earth and the holy spirit came and it, the the holy spirit began to fill the disciples and work among them and we and we see this in the book of acts in their uh, experience in the upper room where the disciples were gathered they were filled with the spirit of god and began to walk in the power of god and what we see there is that ordinary men ordinary men ordinary simple men turned into extraordinary men timid men people who were afraid of speaking out about Jesus began to be bold and courageous and outspoken men and you look at the life of the disciples when they were persecuted and warned saying hey don't talk about Jesus they said we can't help but talk about him when we read through the book of acts and also in the other books in the new testament we see that the ministry of the holy spirit was such an important part of the early church church it shaped the early church and even today even to in this very moment the ministry of the holy spirit is a very important part of our church it is a very important part of our life because the holy spirit plays a very key role 
After our salvation, He is the one who sanctifies us. He is the one who helps us grow. He is the one who helps us mature in our spiritual life. We just heard a testimony from Timothy about how God changed him through His Word. You know who does the changing there? You know who does the transformation there? It is God, the Holy Spirit. You know, when we hear the word of God and when we feel convicted and transformed, remember the Holy Spirit is doing his work in your life. In other words, in other words, he is ministering to you. Truth be told, you know, we experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit every day. Truth be told, we may be experiencing the ministry of the Holy Spirit every day, but, but we may not be fully aware of the work he is doing. Can I say that again? We may be experiencing the ministry of the Holy Spirit every day, but we may not be fully aware of the work that he is doing in our life. And so in this sermon, I want to take you through God's word and talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in this sermon, I would like to share with you what does the Holy Spirit do and what he does not do and finally share the signs of a spirit filled life. Three things we're going to focus on. Three things. What does he do? What he does not do? And what are the signs of a spirit-filled life? Amen. So what does the Holy Spirit do? One of the first things, one of the key things, and one of the fundamental things the Holy Spirit does is that he sanctifies us. Please write that down. The Holy Spirit does the work of sanctification. He does the work of sanctification. The word sanctification by definition is this. Listen carefully. The word sanctification means the process of renewal and consecration by which the believers are made holy. So the Holy Spirit works in your life. It's a process of renewal, consecration. You know, you do a mistake and you're like, God, I'm sorry I did this. You come back to a time of prayer. You're renewing yourself. It's the Holy Spirit, you know, prompting you to pray and to repent of your sin. He's, you know, leading you to that consecration. So when you go through that process of renewal and consecration by which you are made holy, that is called a sanctification. In simple words, I want you to understand this. Sanctification produces the holiness that God expects in our life. Now, when we talk about holiness in our world today, and especially in our churches today, it is often a topic that is, you know, people uh, think, why do we even have to talk about it? Because it is difficult to live a holy life. You see, when God calls us to live a holy life, he's not saying, hey, try this on your own. He's not saying, uh, somehow try to make it on your own. He's not saying all of that. You know what God is saying? You know what God is saying? He's giving us his spirit. He's giving us the Holy Spirit so that you and I can be made pure every day. That is why we sang, purify my heart. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. We're singing to him saying, Lord, purify my heart. Refine his fire. My heart's own desire. You know, that is where we have to be. We have to ask God and say, God, make me holy. Make me holy. But often when it comes to the matters of holiness, personal ethics or morality, we jump to this quick conclusion that it is difficult. It is difficult to be holy. It is difficult to be morally righteous. And it's 
We may even say, oh, it's difficult to have good personal ethics. We may think that way because we've been trying to be holy on our own. You and I cannot be holy with our own strength. You and I cannot. I mean, we can try, <laughs> but, but I'm sure you're going to fail if you try it in your own strength. The Bible reminds us that the work of making you and me holy is the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What an amazing thing that is. You know, what an uh, amazing journey in Christ that is. We're not given something that is impossible. We're giving, given something that is possible. So when God says, be holy just as I am holy, He has given us His Spirit to make us holy. So helping us become morally pure, helping us build personal ethics is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we must understand this, that sanctification is the primary task. It's the main work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you're with me so far. I hope you're taking down some notes. I hope you're jotting down whatever is making sense to you. Uh, I highly recommend to you know keep a notebook open, a pen with you. Uh, you know, I, I just realized that the most difficult thing to find in my house is a pen. Uh, because I hardly write down anything on a piece of paper. And so a pen is becoming a rare co rare com commodity. So uh, if, if you are like me, uh, please take down notes in your phone or in your computer uh, and, and just stay focused. Amen. So the primary task of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify God's people. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you know what is God's most important plan for your life? Do you know what is God's primary will for your life? I know I can't hear you, but I want to share some insight with you. When we talk about God's will, we can separate God's will into two parts. We can separate God's will into two parts. First is his primary will and second is his secondary will. Now, there is no verse in the Bible to talk about primary and secondary will, but this is just an insight. I'm just breaking it down so that you can understand it better. Okay, this is God's primary will for you and me. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says like this, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. This is God's primary will for you and me. It is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality. So when you look at the first part of this verse, it reminds us of what is God's primary will. Because, you know, sometimes when we think of God's will, we are always thinking, uh, what does God want me to do with my career? What is God, you know, we are always thinking of uh, the things that we can do in our job or in our studies or whatever. But when we look at the Bible, the Bible reminds that the primary will, the main, the main will of God, the principal will of God is for you and me to be sanctified, for you and me to become holy every day. R.C. Sproul, a famous theologian and a great teacher, said like this, Christians often ask me, what is the will of God for my life? They ask me, what is the will of God for my life? They have all kinds of questions who they should marry, what career they should pursue, and many other questions. But the Bible is very clear about the principal will of God for our life. That is your sanctification. That is you become holy just as God is holy. That is God's primary will. That is what God expects first. 
He wants us to be sanctified. You see, it's often easy to present Christianity as a way to a better life or a way to prosperity because it is often preached that God has great plans for your life and many believe that that, that great plan is nice car a nice house and uh, lots of money. <laughs> but the truth is this, God's will for you and me is not that. It's not our prosperity. God's will is that you and I be sanctified, that we grow in holiness, that we become more like Jesus, that we begin to leave the acts of the flesh, that we begin to focus more on the Lord, that we begin to be holy just as God is holy. Now, who does that work? Who does that work of making us holy? The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit does that work in our life. Amen. And so, you know, if you read Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, he says like this, John the Baptist says like this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. These are the words that are said by John the Baptist. And if you, uh, if you read at the end of the word, end of this verse, there's the word fire. And uh, we may have often heard that word fire. Fire. We may have heard that in the Christian circles. But the word fire has a, has a specific meaning. It implies something. The word fire implies the Holy Spirit's work of purification and judgment. The Holy Spirit's work of purification and judgment. So that is what the word fire means. So when the fire of God comes on us, what will, what will happen? We will be purified. We will be purified. Amen. So unfortunately, you know, this phrase is often used as a baptism of fire, which is meant that uh, experiences happen where you go out of control, um, um, violently scream and you know speak in tongues and out of control and all this. Uh, that is not what baptism of fire is. Baptism, baptism of fire is basically talking about making you pure and holy before the Lord. So uh, acts like screaming violently and saying that that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not in the Bible. What the Bible really implies is purification and judgment. I tell you this church that you and I, you and I need the Holy Spirit to sanctify us every day. In our morning devotions, you know what we should do. I want to share this as a practical point with you. You know what we should do when we wake up in the morning? We should just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, sanctify me. Take away the evil thoughts. Take away that anger from my life. Take away everything. When you wake up in the morning and just surrender your life and say, Jesus, do this in my life. Lord, Holy Spirit, work in my heart. Shape me, mold me, sanctify me. Take the evil thoughts away. Take the anger away. I tell you, when you begin to pray like that and surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, you will become a very different person. You will go from a person who was not able to control his anger to a person who is able to keep everything in control. You see, when we open ourselves to the Lord and say, change me, I have this issue, I have this issue, change me, shape me, mold me, our life will be transformed. Amen. You know, this, this happened to me yesterday. You know, I always thought that I have a lot of patience. 
but last night my son uh, really tested my patience and uh, after an episode of you know showing my anger and frustration i realized i really need to work on being patient i really need to work on my patience what happened was i was preparing for service yesterday and i was sitting on this table and there were some technical issues i was facing i was preparing for worship putting the video together and the software that i usually use gave up it didn't work and i was kind of stressed because i didn't want to work late in the night uh and uh, when my son wants something he will he will not ask anybody else but he'll ask me and even if uh, miffy is free and even if she's not doing anything he won't go go to her because i spend most of the day with him so uh, he wants me to give him and until i give him that he will not move from that place and so yesterday i i lost my temper uh, to a point that there was some weeping and crying and uh, this morning i woke up i was like god make me more patient holy spirit help me i want to be more patient you know when you depend on the holy spirit he will make you the man god wants you to be he will make you a man whom people will look up to he will make you a man who will be respected by people tell him your weakness tell him your difficulty tell him your sins tell him your struggles tell him the strange thoughts that you have and the things that you struggle with and he will sanctify you every day we need the sanctification of the holy spirit amen we need the sanctification of the holy spirit I want to quickly go to the second point. I could talk more about the sanctification. It's a beautiful point, something that we all have to think about every day. Something that we all have to think about every day. Uh but I just want to quickly jump to the second and the third point uh because of the shortage of time. Uh here's the thing. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does, respect second thing the Holy Spirit does is that he is the author of scriptures. You know the Bible that we hold and read day after day is authored by the holy spirit now when i say author i don't mean that he wrote down word to word physically that's not what i mean but that the holy spirit inspired the hearts of writers inspired people to write down so these men wrote down under the inspiration of the holy spirit if you read second uh, samuel chapter uh, 23 verse 2 let's skip to verse 2 uh it says like this the spirit of the lord spoke through me his word was on my tongue so we see the work of the holy spirit he's been working since time began to put the scriptures together to put the scriptures together so another thing the holy uh, we see in second timothy 3:16 is that all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting training in righteousness that god breathed is another reference to the spirit of god So the scripture that we have that we read is put together by the Holy Spirit. And and he not just puts everything together but even as we read the Bible sometimes we don't understand sometimes we don't get it he helps us understand. He helps us understand. So when we when we take out our Bibles and open to read and read what is written in the bible sometimes you know it doesn't get through you know it just doesn't go through it feels like there's a mental block we're reading the word but it's not making sense to us and in that moment we have to pray saying holy spirit lord would you help me to understand your word and god will help you amen 
our Holy Spirit is the one who is always there by our side, helping us understand the word of God. I want to quickly jump to the third point. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he helps us pray. A question that I get often uh, asked is, how do I pray for 30 minutes? How do I pray for a longer duration? The answer is very simple. To pray for a longer period of time, you have to depend on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the catalyst for prayer. He is the one who helps us pray. You look at Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10, Zechariah 12 10, it says like this, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. What is it? A spirit of grace and supplication. So if you look at the spirit of supplication, and if you look at the word supplication, it means to ask humbly and earnestly. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us a spirit of supplication where we ask him humbly and earnestly. See, prayer is not about demanding. Prayer is not about telling God what he should do in our life. <laughs> we cannot do that. You know, some go to prayer and to just to tell God what he should be doing that day uh, in their life. That's not what prayer is. That's a very uh, disrespectful form of prayer. What the Holy Spirit does is that when we go into a time of prayer, he helps us to seek God and to pray with humility and with earnestness in our heart, with humbly and earnestly saying, God, please, God, would you do this? Would you grant this? And if you, I tell you, when you ask him with humility in your heart, with earnestness, you will receive answer to your prayers. That is one of the key for prayers to be answered. You need humility and earnestness in your heart. Rather, if you go and direct God and tell him, this is what you should do. This is what you should be doing in my life. I think that's a big mistake. Humility, what it does is something beautiful. Humility will cause you to focus more on God's will than on your will. On the other hand, if you notice, a person who is proud in their heart will often demand saying, hey, do this, I want this, I want that to be done. People who are proud will focus on their will and they will demand. And people who are proud will approach God saying, God, do this according to my will. God will never answer such prayers. Rather, he will answer prayers that are made with humility and earnestness. The Holy Spirit also helps us to praise and worship Him. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 19, it says like this, Do not get drunk on wine. I'll quickly skip to the last part of the verse. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is the one who helps us even worship Him. So sometimes when you come to worship and you're struggling to, to have that flow in worship, seek the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me worship. Help me spend some time worshiping. And He will do that. Amen. And also, the Holy Spirit is the one who inspires praying in tongues. If we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So if you're someone who has the gift of speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to pray in tongues. Use that. It is a good thing. 
So Holy Spirit is a catalyst who helps us pray. And so the way to spend longer duration in prayer is to simply depend on the Holy Spirit. When you do that, He will help you pray. You know, there have been times in my personal life, I remember these early morning prayers, late night prayers. There were times I used to just go on praying, go on praying, even without noticing how much time has gone by. And I realized it's the Holy Spirit just doing that work in my life, helping me seek Him earnestly. Holy Spirit really helps us pray. Amen. So when you wake up in the morning, you will be reminded to pray. Respond to that prompting by the Holy Spirit. But if you don't respond to that and you say, I'm busy, I'm busy, you know what will happen? Eventually you will stop hearing that prompt. Eventually you will stop getting those reminders from the Holy Spirit to pray. Whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, respond because He wants to minister and He wants to help you pray and help you grow in your spiritual life. Amen. I want to share one more thing the Holy Spirit does. That is, how does He function in the life of unbelievers? Many times we think Holy Spirit is an exclusive thing for the believers. No, He is also for the unbelievers. What does He do in the life of people who do not believe in God? What does He do? The work that the Holy Spirit does in the life of people who do not believe in God is that the Holy Spirit will prove to them that life without God is vain. The Holy Spirit will also convict them and remind them of where their sin is going to lead them to. The Holy Spirit will also give them a conviction about the presence of God, about the righteousness of God and about the coming judgment of God. You see, sometimes we may look at unbelievers and think, oh, they do not know the gospel and maybe sending them to hell wouldn't be a right thing to do because they don't know about God. But no, the Holy Spirit works even in the life of unbelievers to bring them to God, to convict them, to, to talk about His righteousness. The Holy Spirit will keep reminding them that all your strength, every way in which you're living, living is futile. He will remind them of the dangers of a sinful life. The Holy Spirit is working even in the life of unbelievers. Now remember this, that if, that if someone comes to you, you know, maybe your friend who is not saved, maybe your cousin who is not saved, and says that, I feel like there is no meaning to life. I feel empty. Don't tell them that, oh, it's just a phase of life. Don't worry, everything will be all right. When you hear those words, it is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in their life. The Holy Spirit has convicted them about the emptiness of life and He has brought them and it is your job now to share the gospel. But you know what we do usually in those times? We are too shy to share the gospel. We have to make use of every opportunity. The Holy Spirit works even in the life of unbelievers. Amen. So four things I've shared for, uh, shared with you. And I hope uh, these things have made sense. There's a lot more about the Holy Spirit that you, I can share. We can do a one month study on this and still would not be enough. Uh, but anyway, I've shared some few fundamental things for your understanding. And if you have questions, you can get in touch with me and I will help you. Amen. So quickly, I want to share what the Holy Spirit does not do. What the Holy Spirit does not do. The Holy Spirit will never push down, push a person down while praying. The Holy Spirit will not cause chaos in the church. 
by making everyone speak in tongues. I've always thought this saying tongues is not for public but for private use. The Holy Spirit does not give new revelation or new downloads that is not found in the Bible. And most importantly, Holy Spirit will not reveal what that other person is thinking about you. <laughs> you know, there are people who think that I know what that person is thinking about me. And they feel like they're getting revelation from God about what that person, the Holy Spirit never does that. He never ever does that. The Holy Spirit does not give you miracle money. And finally, the Holy Spirit is not at work in the churches or in the life of people who preach a false gospel. Because you know, see the Holy Spirit will keep convicting them, convicting them, and eventually he'll leave them. And this, people, this group will continue in the false gospel because false gospel is always very profitable. There's good money in false, false uh, gospel. So these are the things the Holy Spirit will never do. Slain in the Spirit, speaking in tongues in a public place, causing chaos in a church, new revelation, new downloads, revealing what the other person is thinking about you, miracle money, false gospel are the things the Holy Spirit will never do. You have to remember what He does and what He does not do. Amen? So keep that in mind. And I want to go to the last part of the sermon and uh, this is an important part and I want you to pay attention. How does a Spirit-filled life look like? On a basic level, a Spirit-filled life will look like this. There will always be repentance and awareness of sin. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you'll always repent of the things that you do. We, make, we may make mistakes, but immediately you'll come to a place of repentance. Second is that when you see some sinful thing again, you'll be aware that God does not like it. That is one of the basic things that happens. But what I want to do is I want to go into the life of some of the disciples and the apostles that we read in the Bible and talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. What is the sign of a person who is filled with the Spirit? See, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you will have humility. And a great example of humility in the Bible is John the Baptist. The ministry of John the Baptist is to prepare a way for the Messiah. And his ministry was very short-lived. We, we do not know how many years. Probably, probably his ministry lasted just for six months or seven months. Till Jesus showed up, you know, John was baptizing people. And after Jesus came, uh, Jesus started baptizing. And one day the disciples of John come to John and say, uh, Master, everybody is going to Jesus. And what did John say? Go bring the crowd. Only I can baptize. Did he say that? No. When you study about John the Baptist's life, you see the humility that he lived with. He knew who he was. He knew what his task was. And he always put Jesus first. And that is why he says in John 3.30, Let him, he must become greater and I must become less. John did not say, oh, I am the one who baptized this man. I am the one who baptized the Messiah. He did not carry a big group with him that announced how great he is. John the Baptist's focus was, he must become greater. 
I must become less and less. You see, this humility is not something that comes by a man's character. It's not something that comes automatically because of the circumstance. It is a humility that is produced because of the Spirit of God working in your life. The sign of the Spirit of God working in your life is that there will be humility. There will be humility. I don't know, the, the Christians really struggle with humility because it, humility seems like a weakness, but the reality is that humility is a sign of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Amen. You see what John the Baptist says, a person cannot say that statement unless he is walking with the Spirit of God. You and I need to be there. You and I need to say, it is no more about me. It is not, not about what I want. It's all about Jesus. He must increase and I must decrease. Amen. That is a sign of a person who is filled with the Spirit. The second sign is this. When the Spirit of God fills you, you will have a passion for God and His Word. When the Spirit of God fills you, you will have a passion for God and His Word. And we see the passion of Paul in the New Testament. Half of, more than half of the New Testament was written by this man, Paul. And who was Paul? He was a scholar of the times, of those times. And when he came to know what the true gospel is, when God opened his eyes to see the gospel, he did not stop. He started preaching the gospel. He went to different places. And he even went to a place where he knew people are going to attack him. You know, if, 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 if you get to know that if you go to this area, people are going to stone you to death, will you go there? No. Paul went to that place. You know why? He was passionate. He was passionate for God and his word. And how is this passion for God produced? It's not a man-made thing. It is what the Holy Spirit produces in a person. You see, let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 13, verse 9 to 10, we see Saul, it says like this, then Saul, let me put the verse on screen, it says, then Saul, who was also called Paul. By the way, after salvation, Paul did not change his name to uh, Paul. It was always, he had two names, it was Saul and Paul. So uh, sometimes, you know, we hear sermons saying, uh, God is going to change your name today. Just as Saul changed into Paul, your name is going to be changed. Paul never changed his name. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And he looked straight at Elimas and said, who is this Elimas, by the way? He's a sorcerer. Okay. He said to Elimas, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? What happens here is Elimas, the sorcerer, tried to uh, block the proconsul, a man, an important man, from hearing the gospel. And what did Paul do to this man? He scolded him publicly. And the Bible says that he was filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. You see, Paul was so passionate to share the message of the gospel that he got so upset when one man came and blocked him and said, you cannot share the gospel. He got so upset and he rebuked him. The question we have to ask is, how often, how often do we feel that passion? You see, when we miss an opportunity because of some kind of distraction, when we miss an opportunity to share the gospel, 
we just walk away thinking maybe this was not the appointed time of the lord to share the gospel how many times do we miss an opportunity and we think maybe the time has not yet come you see the life of paul he did not spare an opportunity he goes to a certain place and he sees an altar to an unknown god and he starts preaching there saying men of athens i see that you worship all kinds of gods but there is one altar to the unknown god and i want to talk about that god that is who paul was he was filled with a passion and that passion was produced by the holy spirit if you and i walk with the holy spirit if you and i minister with the holy spirit you know if if you and i are experiencing the ministry of the holy spirit i tell you we will not spare a minute we will not spare an opportunity we will use every opportunity to glorify god and to share the gospel the life of paul was marked by the holy spirit he was so passionate for god and for the calling that god had given him if we are if if you are feeling dry today If you're feeling weak in your spiritual life today, I believe it is time to seek the Holy Spirit. Many times when we feel dry, you know what we do? We put on a song. We we play some sermons and we think that okay, maybe by hearing this something will happen to me. No, don't do that. If you're feeling dry, put everything aside and seek the Holy Spirit and say, "Lord, I'm feeling dry. Would you fill me?" He will fill you. Amen. Don't run to songs and don't run to sermons. It's a mistake that we do often. run to the lord and say lord fill me seek the holy spirit because only he can make you passionate about god only he can make you passionate about jesus amen the last point the last sign of a person who is filled with the holy spirit the last sign is this commitment commitment i want to specifically look at the life of peter John chapter 21 verse 15 to 19 Jesus talks to Peter and he asks the same question three times Peter do you love me Peter do you love me Peter do you love me at the end of it Peter gets upset is like lord you know i love you and finally Jesus says feed my sheep there is something that we can learn in this passage because we see the commitment of Peter it was great and this commitment was not something that came because of who he was but the commitment was produced by the holy spirit sometimes we may feel like i'm not a committed christian you know i i love the lord i like to listen to his word i like to read his word but i keep falling i'm not committed enough you know why you are not committed enough maybe you've not allowed the holy spirit to work in your life seek the holy spirit and say lord work in my heart today i want to be more committed to the lord if you look at this passage i quickly want to go through a couple of verses in verse 15 chapter 21 verse 15 it says like this when they had finished eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these this is the first question jesus asks do you love me more than these i want to explain these three questions to you Jesus asks Peter, "Do you love me more than these?" What is Jesus pointing to? He's saying, "Do you love me more than these?" When you look at the wordings here, it's it's kind of obvious that Jesus is pointing to the boat, to the nets, the fishing nets, and also the other equipment that is meant to catch fish. 
Jesus is pointing to the boat, the nets and the fishing equipments and he's asking Peter, do you love me more than this? Peter, Simon, Simon, Peter, do you love me more than this? What is Jesus asking in the first question? He's asking him, Peter, are you prepared to give up everything that you love? Are you prepared to abandon a successful career? Are you prepared to leave a steady job? Are you prepared to leave a reasonable comfort to follow me? In order to serve the mission, in order to serve the gospel. Are you ready to do that? That is what Jesus meant in the first question. Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? Are you prepared to give up everything for me? Second time Jesus asks him this question, Simon Peter in verse 16, Jesus said, Simon son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes Lord, you know that I love you. Sorry, this is not the, this is the third one. Sorry, this is the second one, correct. Yes Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, the second time Jesus asks him this question, he is asking something very specific here. And if you do a study on this, you'll realize that Jesus is intending to ask him, do you love me more than your fellow disciples? Because if you go back to Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, Peter back in the day before Jesus went to the cross was saying, even if everybody follow me, even if everybody leave you, I am not going to leave you. I will never leave you. And Peter realized that that was a very bad uh, thing because he was never able to stand. He was never able, was able to be committed to Christ and he also fell away. So Jesus is asking to Simon, you know, do you love me more than your fellow disciples? Simon says, Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. And finally, one more time, and this is when Peter gets offended. Now, we may wonder, why does God ask him this question three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? And do you love me? If you look at how many times Peter denied Jesus, it was three times. And Jesus asks him the same question three times, also to affirm his love for him. And you look at the life of Peter, what happens to him after that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches the gospel, 3,000 people are saved. He became a different man. And, and you look at his life, miracles that happened, the things that God did through him were so amazing. And you look at the life of Peter and how it ended. You know, he was crucified upside down. I was reading about the history of Peter's crucifixion and someone wrote like this saying that the, the, the cell where Peter was crucified was filled with dead bodies because people were thrown into the cell. There was a, a, a very dirty smell coming out of that place. Peter was in that jail cell for many months before he was crucified. There was a smell of blood in that place. He was in a very difficult place, but he never ever gave up his faith because he was committed totally to Christ. How was that possible? How was it possible for a man to go through so much of suffering, so much of persecution, see dead bodies, blood day after day, be in the worst prison cell in Rome at that time, be in a very difficult condition? 
and still hold on to his commitment to Christ? How is it possible? It is possible because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps you be committed. So the sign of a man who walks with the Holy Spirit is his commitment to Christ, an unwavering commitment to Christ. You see the life of Peter, when the Holy Spirit filled him, his life radically changed. He happily died. He happily died for the sake of the Lord. And he died upside down. You know how painful that will be? Commitment to Christ is the sign of a man who is filled with the Spirit. Many times we think being filled with the Spirit means to speak in tongues all the time. No, that's not what the Bible talks about. Tongues is a gift God gives and, and it's a good thing. Use it in your private prayer time. But remember this, when you're marked with the Holy Spirit, when you're ministered to by the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be this passion for the Lord. There will be this passion for the Lord. There will be a humility in your life. There will be commitment for the Lord. There will be a repentance in your life. There will be an awareness of sin. You will not take sin lightly in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you experience the ministry of the the Holy Spirit, you will be a very different man. You will be a very different woman. I pray the church that you and I will experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit every day. Make a simple prayer. Wake up in the morning saying, God, fill me. God, sanctify me. God, make me holy. Make me better. Take my anger away. Take this issue away. Help me. Give me the wisdom. When we seek the Holy Spirit day after day, we will experience a renewal in our life. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are feeling dry. Maybe you're feeling like, I'm not passionate enough for the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. Seek the Holy Spirit and tell Him, I want to be passionate for your name. I want to be passionate for your name. Can we, can we look into the Lord in prayer? Shall we look into the Lord in prayer? Father in heaven, we come into your presence. We thank you for who you are and for what you've spoken to us through your word. And Father, your word is alive and well and is working in our life today. And even as we have heard about the sign of a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, we desire for humility in our life. We desire for your work in our life. We want to be more passionate. We want to be more committed. We want to be more aware of our sin. We want to repent immediately, O Lord. Father, help us. Father, help us, O Lord, we pray. Take away every negligence in our life. Take away every carelessness in our life and help us to be passionate for you, O Lord. And help us to be committed to you at all times. And help us to be humble, O Lord. And help us to experience your ministry in our life every day. Help us to spend time in prayer. We thank you for who you are and for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just keep our eyes closed for the benediction. May the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us for now and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen.